Hi, it's Lindsay Carlson and Carmel Ecker, and you're listening to Single and Mighty, the podcast for single parents leading mighty lives. Today, we are interviewing Deborah Drummond. She is she's a firecracker. <laughs> I've known her for a couple of years now, and I just continue to be amazed by the drive, the resilience, and the generosity of this woman. She is an entrepreneur. She's owned multiple businesses and she's built this little empire of hers as a single mom to two kids. Just, I I'm in awe of her every day. Yeah. I really, I loved that she called herself an entrepreneur because it speaks to the, um, just the mindset that you have to be in sometimes in business, almost like an athlete's mindset. Um, so I really, I took a lot from this conversation with her. She's got her hands in lots of different things and she's parenting her kids really powerfully as well. She talked about her son's business, for example. So one thing that came up for me as well was there is some talk about domestic violence in there. Deborah's a survivor of that. So if that's a, if that's something you want to hear or don't want to hear that's towards the end of our interview. Yes. Yes. And it just gets touched on. There's no details, uh, yeah, but it's good to know. It's good to know. Lots of people have that experience. Absolutely. If that's you, you're not, you're super not alone. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I love that there's a little bit of woo in here too. Uh, she shares yeah. a story really close to the beginning when she was first, uh, she was pregnant and she was looking at starting a new business and there's this fabulous little woo story in there that I'm super excited that she shared. It's that, it's that listening to our intuition, which so many of us don't do. Uh, we ignore the red flags. We don't listen to our gut and then we get in trouble (laughs) and we're like, gosh, why didn't I listen to myself? Or we miss an opportunity. Right. And Deb's just so good at getting quiet and listening to her gut, going with her intuition figuring out, you know, where am I supposed to be right now? What do I need to do right now? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I would say, listen for her, like her morning routine and how she gets up in the morning and gets her head into the right space so that she can stay tapped into the right mentality. And, um, and I love what she says about choosing, you know, to look fear in the face and, and keep going. Um, and not being stopped by that. I'm always about choosing the the path you love over the scary stuff, worrying about the scary stuff too much. So absolutely. Yeah, it, spoke, it spoke to both of us, I think, this conversation. Yes, it absolutely did. So I think it's time to just get into it and let Deborah Three, share it all in her own words. Two, one. Thank you so much for being here with us today. You are a powerhouse of a woman and a single parent, and I'm just so excited to have you sharing your wisdom with everybody listening. Oh, ladies, thank you so much. It's always an honor to get asked to share and an honor to help. So wonderful. There were a few things about your story that really resonate with me. One is, you know, really, you started out building something from nothing. Like you have built all your success on your own. Sometimes you've had a partner in your life and sometimes you haven't, but you have through all of that continued to build, you know, your own little empire. (laughs) And I just think that that is such a, such a powerful place to lead from. 
because so many people feel like they need to be attached to someone to create success in their, in their life. And you've just kind of created your sex, six, ugh, success whether there's been someone in your life or not. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then, you know, part of that has been really listening to your own intuition right from the get go, really knowing what, what you wanted to do with your life and, and you didn't let other people's voices or those negative voices in your head stop you from forging forward, right? Like leading from love instead of fear. And then the, the third thing is how do you balance it all? Because you are a busy, busy lady with your businesses, because there's more than one, um, mm-hmm. and and your kids, and helping them build their businesses, and also trying to have a personal life, dating, right? So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people feel like, how do I how do I balance being a single parent and having a life and being a great, being a, a you know the employee that I want or the business owner that I want to be, mm-hmm. and it can get really overwhelming. So I figure let's take some tips from someone who's doing it all and doing it really well. The, the way that I love to start uh, our podcast is really to give you an opportunity to share your story. And you have such an inspirational story. So share away. Mm-hmm. Share away. Well, I promise you it's, it's, it's 30 years in the world of solo parenting entrepreneurship, but I'll give you the snippet of how I came in right? Um, It is an interesting story in the sense that I came from the music industry. I love music. I still love music, but music became a long-term unhealthy choice at some point. I was like, "Mm, Mm. not quite sure this is going to take me through the rest of my life. You know, ironically, I went from um, the music industry into personal development, you know, by the grace of a couple of books falling in my lap and the grace of a couple of situations happening that made me start to look at things in a different way. And then I landed in holistic medicine. And honestly, when I say I landed, here's my intention. I decided to pack up everything, move from Vancouver, you know, Vancouver, Canada to Montreal um, because I had a friend there and I was going to go there and I was going to go get a degree in women's studies and I was going to get a degree in religious studies and I was going to empower women in third world countries. That's what I was going to do. I went to Damn. Montreal and I came back home <laughs> pregnant with my daughter and the religious studies course was canceled. That was only like a four month course, not enough registration. And the women's studies course was four years. Well, clearly I was going to be having a baby in a short period of time. So that just blew those dreams out. And what happened is I got hungry one day and I wanted a muffin and I have allergies to sugar and wheat and dairy. And there's one bakery in the in Vancouver area at the time, which was a 35 minute drive from where I was. And I wanted that muffin. And so I (laughs) made my daughter's father at the time, drive me into Vancouver to get a muffin from Woodlands. If anyone ever remembers that restaurant in Kitsilano. And so Mm -hmm. as I ran in to get my muffin and ran out in the corner of my eye, I saw a pink flyer. Now you got to think I'm pregnant unexpectedly as a result of a beautiful bungee jumping. That's just a, that's a doctor story. Tried for years, couldn't bungee jumped. Guess what? Um, My whole career, you know, changed. I was like, not going to be doing that. I was in this kind of place of, oh my gosh. And the time crunch of being pregnant, what was I going to do? So 
I was like, do I go back to the music industry while I can, you know, <laughs> what you can do in your apartment. Mm. And anyways, I run and I see this pink flyer and I grab the flyer and I get back home and I read it. And it is a class being offered to teach massage. I loved massage, but I never thought it would be my living. Anyways, I called this woman, great connection. Um, I'm like, I'm pregnant. She's like, haven't had a pregnant person in my class. I think you should come down to Vancouver and we should meet in person. So I live in, you know, I live a, an hour bus right away. Back then there was buses. I don't think there was sky trains even. And I decide to go meet her. I write her address on a piece of paper and I take a bus into Kitsilano, which I'm not familiar with at the time. Right. So the, the street that she's living on is, a, it's called Trutch. And it is as long as Broadway. I lost the address. There was no cell phones. We didn't have cell phones back then. And I was on the bus and I, intuitively, no kidding. I have no idea why I got off on the bus stop that I did. I'm like, I better get off the bus here. I got off and then I walked up to Trutch and I could go left or I could go right. It is a 20 block street. I turned right. I went about four houses in on the right-hand side. I looked, I go, maybe that's the house. What? As God is my witness, as God is my <laughs> witness, I go up to the door and I'm like, hi, is your name Linda? She said, yeah, it is. Come on in. And that was the class. I signed oh up my for the God. Class. I know. I signed up for the class, even though she's like, I've never taught anyone pregnant. We do rebirthing. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I've done rebirthing before. In the second class, I got this massive download. I got, you know, tickles everywhere. And it's like, I will be doing this for the rest of my life. And I had a fantastic year career doing that craft. And I, and I worked on healed massage and helped 30,000 people straight up wow. spectacular yeah wow is right oh my goodness when everything go. falls line and you even know which door to knock on that's fantastic yeah wow that's so how, what happened next I mean I hear the beginning of a fantastic uh, life story yeah so what happened next I mean honestly um you know I took the class and I did by the way I didn't have the money to, to pay for the class and so she was willing to take some trade because my daughter's father was a chef and she was running, you know, people could say, so we did some trades of services. I did pay some cash. And what I did is when I realized that this is what I was going to do, um, my brain went into motion a little bit on what would that look like? You know? Yes. So I massaged from home. Like I took my class I massaged from home. I practiced, I came up with a cheesy little, you know, business card that I went to Kinko's at the time and photocopied and gave to people. Um, there was no marketing. There was no magazines for my kind of work. And I just started talking and telling people I was going to do this. And I was so excited about the actual craft itself. I didn't really worry about mm -hmm. the business. I thought, okay, I, on a, you know, my financial plan was on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. I, I book this many massages. I charge this much money and I make this much money. That's it. That was my, that was my Done. financial forecasting CFO hat. Um, and I just started talking to people, but I was going to have a baby. I literally was doing massage in the same room. It was in my bedroom where there was a crib because um, people knew me. And that's how I started my business. And then it merged into a bedroom in my home. And then I had a baby and then I would have a nanny come and take her for two hours. I'd nurse her. She'd go, I'd go do the client. She'd come back. I'd nurse again. And honestly, I had to do it. Like it literally was that grassroots. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Wow. I love what you just said. You said, decide what you're going to do and figure out what that looks like. And it sounds like that became how you move forward in life from there and, and built up this empire that you've, that you've built. 
Um, yeah, I would love to say that I, you know, had a degree and, you know, and had an MBA. Sometimes during my business, I wish I had, it probably would have saved me some time, money and, you know, energy for sure. Um, I guess there's two ways to go. I'm kind of a hybrid. So, you know, you got to think 30 years ago, there was no women's networking group to go to. So I started one in my basement mm-hmm. on Sunday at two and you could bring your kid because there was nothing there was nothing for women at all, like nothing. And even when there was, um, when that started to come to be, it was still very, the times like Monday at nine. Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I was doing it Monday and I don't know what you guys, but I was taking my daughter to school. Do you know what I mean? So yes. there was things that just wasn't conducive. I guess I always say that I had my grandmother's tenacity and some people loved my grandmother and some didn't. Um, if you didn't have thick skin, you didn't survive, but I did. <laughs> I did. And I stood up to her, which gave her, which gave her respect for my words. And Mm. it kind of, you know, and I think it came, it also came from a living in a home where, um, you need to fight a little bit for what you had, you know, you need to make your way. So we didn't, um, we didn't have a lot. I know what it's like to not have, I know what it's like to have, I know what it's like to not have again. I always say I was raised with wieners and beans and no wieners. And so you make do with what you have. So if you can afford to go photocopy 15 business cards, go do it. You know what I mean? Make 15 business cards and make the best of those business cards. I love it. Yeah. And what you're speaking to is so about like just taking action and not worrying about it being perfect. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people get stuck in the, well, I need to have this before I can do that. Right. I I need Mm -hmm. to have enough money to get 250 business cards versus, you know, Mm -hmm. 10 right? If you can get 10 business cards, is that not enough? Like hand out those 10 and then see what happens. And I think too, I mean, to be honest with you, when I started business, it's kind of like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, I had many people look when I decided I wanted to start an aromatherapy home party company. One of my dearest, most successful friends looked at me straight in the face and said, you think the world's ready for an aromatherapy home party company? If I could have physically had done something and been away with it, I, that anger, (laughs) made me run hard for a year. I was like, yeah, look at you. And we're still friends to this day. And she was very successful and I am as well. One day I will tell her how much that, that ticked me off. <laughs> I, I love that your instinct was to create a community around your dreams and your goals and to start that networking group where women could bring their kids. And it was Sunday morning in your basement. I think that's fantastic. And, and even now in your business, you're bringing people together and creating community. Can you tell us a little bit about how that's showing up in your business today? Sure. I mean, it's been quite a journey, right? Like, you know, I know you're hearing me and not watching my hand go up and down, but um, (laughs) it's been a journey. I think when you get really clear on what I would say is your dharma. So in the world of Ayurveda or what, which is, you know, the premise of which I do a lot of holistic medicine, um, finding out, you know, your dharma, what that would be like finding out your passion or finding out what you were meant to do, like really at the core, what is it that you do? So why was I the happiest cocktail waitress was because I was in service. Why did I, you know, heal and help so many people is because I was in service. The model of which I chose to do that happened to go from music to healing and to now, but there's been a continuum theme. And I think that's more important for people to recognize how you take it out into the world. Well, that's your, that's how you dress it. That's, that's the dress that you wear that day. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. I kind of do it in two ways. One is Clearly, entrepreneurship is my jam. Been doing it for a long time. <laughs> I would be very unhappy after 30 years if not. And so on one side of my life, I've created a beautiful media company 
So, and it, and it really feeds and fuels entrepreneurs, you know, podcasts, just like you, you, you know, ladies are doing. And I produce published books for entrepreneurs to be in. You can put quotes in the planners and you can be, be part of an anthology of other entrepreneurs with, you know, for different things. I've masterminds for people specifically in an industry that I love. Um, my mother was in the industry. I created two companies in the direct sales industry. Some people call it direct sales. Some people call it relationship marketing, some multi-level marketing, network marketing, whatever you call it, affiliate marketing, social selling, whatever. <laughs> okay. That industry of being a solopreneur within the confines of community, that's my thing. And when I think about how I've created two of those companies and I, and I am a participant in someone else's company right now, why did I go down that way? Or why did I fall in love with that sector is two things. One is I was eight years old and my mom used to take me along to all these homes. The, she did Tupperware. And I got to sit with women and listen to things I shouldn't have been listening to because I was eight, <laughs> but my mom didn't have anybody to take care of me. Right. And so I used to really enjoy the, the, the commune, like what these women were doing and saying, let's face it. It was a long time ago. So it was just women buying Tupperware. I had a great impression. My mom did it again in my teens. You know, when I was mm. in the cocktail waitressing and bartending and bands and getting bands for clubs and that kind of thing, I knew a lot of waitresses and a lot of bartenders. And my mom got into clothing that sold t-shirt dresses. Does everyone remember t-shirt dresses? They were a hot ticket item. And my mom, I kid a jillion dollars off these, off these women. So I always had a great impression of community, right? Um, yes. And so that's why I think it's such a big deal. So for me, that was a big part of it. The second part of it is that, you know, that woman who wanted to go get a degree in women's studies and change women around the world. Well, that never went away. That never went away. So in my, in my volunteer work or where my, my, where I tithe, I tithe an organization that's not mine. And I tithe into an organization that makes impact for human rights all over the world. So I feel like I've got that piece, but I also love economics. And I know that 85% of all the women that are entrepreneurs in North America are in the direct sales industry. It is the one industry that will lift you up because that's the whole premise behind the industry. So you can, you know, you can be who you need to be. And in that I tithe and I sponsor 52 people a year into that industry wow. that don't have the economic ability to do that, but need the economic and want the economic. Because when I decided to get into the company that I'm in now, I remember I told you, I know what it was like to not have, then have, yeah. then not have. Well, I got, when I got invited into this company, I was in a not have. I was in my marital status changing year and it was ugly, straight up. It was ugly. I had 18 staff. I had a bricks and mortar. We were booked steady. I had responsibilities there. And I also had two children and one that mm -hmm. needed a lot more attention than the other. And so it was not pretty. And I actually said no to the opportunity. And my daughter said yes. And she was 19 and somehow teenagers. Wow. Win. And so, yeah, so I didn't have, and I'm, thank God, you know, thank God when I called visa, they were like, you have enough in your credit limit too. And I'm like, okay, we both went into this business and I'm at a place now where I can help other people. So. Wow. Cause you've been there. You're helping those 52 women because you have been in their shoes. Those, mm -hmm. those people that need to stretch their credit or look for a way in somehow. And that's fantastic that you're, you're paying it back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what that's, yeah, that's what that's all about. Right. So yeah. to mm. say, yeah. So when you say, um, so I guess I feel like I'm in service when I, yeah. when I create community or what have you, it's about being in service. 
I, I love that you, you know so clearly what lights you up, that being mm-hmm. in service is both the gift that you give to the world and the gift that gives back to you when you do it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important mm-hmm. that we step into something like that in our lives and not worry so much about how am I going to make it? How am I going to make money? How am I going to balance everything? But when we yes. look inside it, what is it that would really light me up? What, what makes me come alive from there? You know, all the other stuff kind of takes care of itself. There may be a bumpy road, <laughs> but yes. it, you know, it doesn't, it maybe doesn't feel so hard. Well, for me, I got inspired as I was in this massage class and I literally could hear myself tell myself, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Right. And so I don't anymore. I I do four sessions a month for my spiritual give back, but um, outside of that, I walked away from my studio four years ago and moved into another platform, which is what we can do. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that you have to do it to prove evidence to yourself I mean, if you had asked me in the first couple of years, so what's your dharma? I'd have been like, I really love healing people. It was kind of limited, right? So I really love doing what I do. And I think most people would know that know me. I'm pretty on path. The longer you do it, the more you like accept the mission, I call it, right? The more you stay in the game, the more you actually prove to yourself more than you prove to other people. And you have those quiet moments before you go to bed. I love Matthew McConaughey. He's like, there's those three minutes before you close your eyes at night that you know, you know, (laughs) I love it. you know, and so if you're on path, you know, and if you need to shift it, you know. And it's mm. also, it's also okay. Now we do strategic plans on our business. Now, I mean, God, now there's business coaches. I'm a, you know, I'm one of them. Like we're all, you know, there's so many things to help people now these days that um, you don't necessarily need to come up with all your, you know, all yourself, but you can strategically plan yourself. You can just like watch yourself for a couple of weeks. Like, where do I get excited? And what part of my business doesn't excite me? And that would be the first part that you would want to look at farming out when you make enough money to do that. Uh Not that you have to wait for the money to come. That's a big part of my story. Like straight up, I was not funded, not financially funded. I came from a single mom who we barely made it. And I, like I said, wieners and beans with no wieners. And there was no other entrepreneur in my family. There was no books on entrepreneurship that got thrown my way. There wasn't someone that said, I'd like to mentor you. It really Uh was trial and error. And look, mm-hmm. it, there wasn't like, there wasn't like, Oh, I, I need a business coach. I need advice on this. I yes. need, I mean, there wasn't the internet people like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were talking about that just before we hopped on. You're right. There were no cell phones. There were no directions, all those things that you take for granted nowadays. Mm-hmm. I love how you have those ideas about how to shut down fear. Like I I've been scribbling like that. Like you have to do it right. Like the idea mm-hmm. of getting your reps in proving to yourself that you can stay in the game. And I love that the longer you do it, so you just kind of have to persevere and trust. Where do you think that trust might come from for other people? Where can people look to sort of feel like you're supported in, in moving forward? So there's a couple of things, right? I think when you start to get to know yourself in business, you start to get to know yourself. And I, when people say how a lot, you know, you've been in this game for a while and you've done this or you succeeded, or, you know, you've gotten through some things that we were talking about earlier. I have, I don't believe I have been in my craft. I'll say very many days without having the advice of someone. So whether it was a counselor, 
personal, like my personal life, even, you know, personal, Mm -hmm. a counselor, a therapist, a business coach when I could afford, or I would trade services for, or, you know, commune, creating, creating the networking group because I needed one, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm, I needed one. And so I've always been under some kind of advisement or close to it if I needed it. Now, sometimes, honestly, I read Think and Go Rich by Napoleon Hill seven times because I didn't have a financial circle, right? And a good friend of mine just gave me back. She gave me, she took a picture of something that I coached her on 10 years ago. And it says, every queen needs a council. And I think that we have availability of council um, around us all the time now. But so I would say, make sure that you've got someone who's got your back, even if it's just one person. And many times for me, it was just one person. It's shocking how important it is as a solopreneur to have someone who may not even know you go, I got this, you got this, Mm -hmm. I got your back. So um, at least line one person that no matter how crazy your idea gets, they're going to back you up and take you out for dinner and don't compare yourself. I I had one person give me some good advice a long time ago, and it was about my personal, my personal recovery in life. And, um, it was a partner that I had. And he said to me, stop comparing your insides to other people's outsides. Uh And I was like, you know what? He told me that over 20 years ago. And I still remember that I get tingles when I say it, because sometimes you feel like quitting when you look at other people's success or other, and I can tell you that it is, it is an experience and a journey for everybody. It's just that the journey's worth it. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that it's not a journey. It's just that it's worth it. It's so worth it. And along those lines, you just told us that your son is running his own business. And like, <laughs> you have set this example for your kids. I'd love to hear just a little bit about what they're mm-hmm. up to in the world. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, his name is Ocean, Ocean Kennedy Blue. And um, he's a super creative guy when you would not have thought when he was younger that he would step into owning his own company. Um, he was very shy. He was up in my arms for three for three years. He, he was not comfortable in a room of more than three or four people. You know, when he was eight, he had like six of his birthday friends come over and that was a huge accomplishment. So he was not what people would say, oh, that guy's going to be running his own business one day. He was raised in, in an entrepreneurial home. He knows what it's like for the dining room table to be so full of business papers that you have to go eat on the couch. Lord forbid that man marry a woman who's used to sitting at the table because he's not going to know what to do. Like that. <laughs> so he watched that. He's been on trips. I made mm-hmm. my kids part of my business early on, honestly, for two things. One, their experience, and three, to ease the guilt. Like I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. Like I, there's times I've had to be on trade shows. That kid came with, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't mind now. Like now I'm planning a trip to Texas and he's coming with and he's 18. But so he got to see the variables of life and uh, through that entrepreneurship. And when he decided that he wanted to be one, honestly, he showed the signs around 12 years old, being really attracted and excited about fashion. And then he started to show more and more and more. And so then I started to feed more and more. I remember very good advice from a friend of mine who I went to when my daughter was having trouble in school. She was having a learning challenge. And he, and he specialized in that. And he goes, everybody focuses on the problem. And I get you want to fix the problem, find the gift and run it hard. Now you say that to an entrepreneur, you know what we do? We're like, perfect. I can do it. Cause I run my, I run my gift hard. 
So I just doubled Mm -hmm. down. And when I had that experience with my son and saw that this was the case, I doubled down and I let him have his own experience. He kept wanting to go to LA and it was going to cost me thousands of dollars to get this kid to learn how to make his first pair of Nikes. And when, you know, the first year I said, no, it was 2000. The next year, the course was 3000. I said, no. And then by the third year, when he told me he was having visions in his head of, you know, of turning, you know, orange pylons on the street into shirts, I was like, okay. And the the trip cost me $8,000. I grabbed a visa. We went down for five days and I watched that kid light up inside. Now, if he hadn't lit up inside, I still would have been proud that I went because then it showed what he didn't want. And you know what? That's really important. Go take a course and decide you don't want to do it. Best thing you'll ever do. Best thing you'll ever do. So my son isn't, yeah, he's an amazing artist. He's got a natural Mm -hmm. gift and aptitude and he is now branching and starting a streetwear company. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. So cool. Well, we're going to link to him in our show notes so you can give us the links and everyone can check out Oceans Apparel. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for I wanted to mm-hmm. um I wanted to talk a little bit uh what you said there about, you know, f- find out what you don't want. Cuz I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have the sense that if they if they try something and it didn't work or they didn't like it, that somehow they failed or they've wasted time or anything. Have you, have you had moments where you felt that way or did you always just know that, well, this is, this was part of the journey. This was a lesson I needed to learn. And where do I go from here? I've had both, you know, I mean, I'm going to be honest. It might sound very Disney fairy tale-ish, but the 27 years that I had my massage studio and my massage practice, I can tell you, you know, truth, truth. There was only twice in 27 years that I thought, should I be doing this? Really? And one time I did, I thought that I had those thoughts. I did a treatment. After the treatment, the woman reached across the table and kissed me and said, thank you. And I was like, okay, I guess that's all the confirmation I need. And then I had another similar situation. Now, it doesn't mean that everything I tried from a marketing standpoint worked. It doesn't mean there was times where my staff got paid and, I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, it doesn't mean that it all was that it meant that I didn't question. I didn't question the decision to go into business. I made mistakes in marketing. I, you know, Oh, I remember let's do lectures. That'll be really great. And then, then we had to market the lectures and some worked and some yes. didn't. And, you know, there's all those things that happened marketing that I paid for print ads back then people print ads that never brought anybody in or, you know, and yes you're doing stuff on a whim because someone's telling you and you don't have advisors. I mean, there's all sorts of things that happen, but, but I'm not going to say that I haven't had my back kicked in business. I'm not going to say that I haven't had, you know, tears on a pillow. I'm not going to say that I haven't had, you know, I've had a, I've had a partnership that, you know, we went into business and then decided it wasn't, you know, it was better to date than get married, you know? And so there was, there's, you know, self-analysis and, you know, I had to go through the process of, yeah, you know, I call it business esteem. I had to earn my business esteem, mm, you know, self-esteem for your business. And so I think mm-hmm. you just, that just happens by staying in the game, having people that love you. And so, yeah, to answer it, I've, I've, I've been very lucky. I'm not going to say lucky because people think lucky in business, but I've been very fortunate that I've been pretty clear on my path, made some decisions, but it got me clearer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So timing was off. Yeah. So it's like clarity and perseverance are really huge themes in your relationship with business. It sounds like. Yeah. 
And in yeah, general, right. life success too, right? Like, because it's it like so many of the lessons in business translate so beautifully into mm-hmm. the rest of our lives. Yeah. It's, it's no way, you know, it's a, it's a dance. It's weave. It's very, if you know, Tantra, Tantra is a weave, right? It's a weave in your relationship. It's a weave. When people think Tantra, they think sexuality, but truly the definition of Tantra is the weave. It's the interrelationship you have with your business. And I learned that from my teachers, you know, the, the, the moment that I had this epiphany during this treatment I was doing that my business actually was outside of myself, not myself. I probably was already 15 years in business when I had that epiphany. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's not me. You know, you have these, <clears throat> but that's the benefit of longevity. I, you know, there's, you know, I've made mistakes. Like my business, my healing business, my studio, at a certain point in the economy, it was, you mm-hmm. know, it was difficult for a lot of people, 2008, 9, 10, and 11. I stayed on two years longer, you know, for a CFO looking at my stuff and how I could yeah. scale. He's like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And two years later, yeah. I was like, I've got a decision to make. And uh, he's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that knowing when to quit and really that is the flip side because we can encourage people into business all we want and we can tell them to go ahead and spend money that they don't necessarily have. But there is that flip side that you've negotiated so beautifully. And that is having the counsel and the voices around you that you mm-hmm. can trust and they can help you call when to quit. And, you know, the right people. It can't just be someone who's taking advantage of you. It has to be somebody that you can completely trust in. So really important to have those relationships that Mm -hmm. you were talking about. Here's the one thing I say to people. Now, look, I've got brilliant people in my inner circle. My best friend of 40 years, you know, I call him my brother. I have another amazing woman of 40 years. I have another woman of 20 years. I have another woman of 20 years. I go to them in counsel selectively. I do not go to my girlfriend who is a solopreneur who has one business, which is seasonal. And she knows the season she rides. She's intelligent. She's brilliant. Politically, I would go to her all the time. Who are you going for? You know what I mean? On my case, sister. But I don't go to her to make decisions that an entrepreneur has to, I'm like, I have four companies. What should I do? I'm not going to her. I'm going to someone. Here's the deal. You don't go to your bank manager and ask them for advice on your marriage. Don't do it in your inner circle. Yes. Yeah. Don't do it in your yeah. circle. Look, I've made mistakes. I'm going to my girlfriend about, you know, someone that I'm dating. I'm like, what do you think? You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go, go to the people that you know, but still you have your three minutes before you put your head on your pillow. And if you're scared, I don't think that's, I don't think that's, if you're scared, most of the time, that's an indication you need to go. Yes. Because most of my paycheck and your paycheck comes in the uncomfortable moments, not the comfortable. Yes, there's flow. And yes, you'll make paycheck, but it probably came from making an uncomfortable decision or pushing yourself, right? Or like I talk about that in my, in, in my training. I'm like, some people come to me for private training to maintain the income they have, but do it with less hours. That's Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or maintain. They're like, I'm freaking loving this. I'm making whatever. This is exactly what I want to make. I'm loving it. Deb, how do I cap this? How do I always make sure this comes in? That is yes. a legitimate strategic business decision. Yes. Yeah. It's what not always success? about getting bigger. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What does success look like for me? Mm -hmm. You know, we have to be really clear that we're, we're living the life that we want to live and not, you know, as you said earlier, like comparing ourselves to, well, am I supposed to want to grow to this big, you know, this big company? Mm -hmm. And the answer is not yes for everybody. No, I know. I was was interviewing someone on my podcast yesterday and it's called micro famous, but it just really depends. It depends what you get from your work, Right depends what you're getting. Like I would do this, you know, it's passionate. It's, it's yes. passion. So yeah. All right. You're there really, you go. You're really clear on yourself. Deborah. thank you so much for sharing your business story and your parenting story with us. We really appreciate it. Is there anything that we didn't cover that we didn't talk about or that you wanted to go into detail more about? Well, I mean, probably without going into details and I know, cause we're down to the last couple of minutes and we shared a little bit about it. I think that Um, no matter where you come from. And when I say that I didn't have, you know, buckets of money around me, I came from a place that didn't have a lot of entrepreneurship. And I don't say that lightly, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's anyone who's a survivor out there, I know your story. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had situations and incidences in my life that if it was put into a book or someone was to talk about it on stage, People would never put that experience to who I am now. So when I stand on stage and I talk to people or I share or what have you, people would not necessarily coin me in that because it's not been part of my presentation. But I just want to say, if there's anyone out there that's a survivor that has had to overcome things that, you know, we don't tend to talk a whole lot about, you know, Mm -hmm. then I understand. And I'm always open to that conversation. I'm always, if someone's like, I want to be a successful businesswoman, but you know, I had violence in my background or domestic violence in my background or survivorship. And if you're a survivor, you know, I don't need to go into details. If, if you are having those questions, because I, I did for a long time, I came from a place where I wasn't boasting with self-esteem and part of my journey has had to be not only business esteem, but have more self-esteem in myself to be able to forge forward. Sometimes I'm like, who I think I am. How did I end up with a media company? How did I end up on a stage talking to 20,000 people? Yeah. Don't these people know, Yeah, you know, or I felt like I was one person, but really another, like there's been a whole bunch of integration that I've done. And I'm always willing to talk about those to organizations or groups or individuals. So I don't really care where your background is. Mm-hmm. If you want to be successful, Honestly, you can flip that, you can flip that cup and you can actually use that resilience to your benefit, which is truly what I think part of what I've done. Yeah. Resilience is incredibly powerful. And I love that you've got, not that you experienced that domestic violence in your past, but that you've got that to share with other people now, because what doesn't, what doesn't, you know, ruin our lives becomes something that we can bring out to the world for other people. I see a lot of women and and men who also go through it over and over and over again. And, you know, how do you break that pattern for yourself and jump into a different, a new pattern? What do you what do you recommend? Yeah. And so I always share, whenever I share about coming from a domestic violence background, I have two gorgeous, beautiful human beings, and this is not their fathers. It's just in case someone's listening to the interview, they're like, oh, I never knew. This was prior to my experience of having my children and the people I had them with. With all the guts and glory that you've got in your, in, in, that you can fiber up, honestly, for me, it was guts and glory. I had to, I had my personal, I had that personal moment 
that was that was undeniable that this was not working and I came to this place within myself that I made it needed to make a drastic move and that meant picking up my stuff moving to a different part of the city leaving many friends behind who didn't think kindly of me doing that and it was like I had to save my soul yeah I had to save my soul so I had to go do the healing work and and really lots of it um, and get myself to a place of internal health. I took myself from a dysfunctional place to a functional place and healed myself. And then I became a powerful healer. That's kind of my journey was a very abrupt decision. And it was extremely difficult. Yeah. I like to call those the universes two by four to the head, mm-hmm. right? Those Those moments when all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? What on earth am I doing? And how can mm-hmm. I stop this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It takes, it takes a while to come to that realization and, uh, you know, you don't necessarily see what's going on because you're being, you know, sold into a life that little by little becomes a nightmare and you don't even realize it. So yeah, for something to wake you up and for you to be willing to just have a little bit of faith that if you make the break, that there's more for you on the other side. And I think hearing other people's stories like your story can really help people see that there is, there is something better on the other side of that break. Yeah. Yeah. And that we have power to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. just like everybody else, you know, and interestingly enough, sometimes if you have that kind of history, you think it's you, (laughs) like you think you're the only one that feels that people that don't have our history are scared. Yes. It's not that that makes us scared. That is a part of what we have to go through in our journey. But there's a lot of people out there that didn't have that, that are scared to make the the same moves that you are in your business and the same moves that you are in your life. So trying to um, redefine yourself. Yeah. 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 Finding that community, right? Finding those people that can support you all the ways. Thank you, Deborah, so much. This has been a fantastic conversation. We just have a few last questions to ask you that are a little bit faster and a little bit more fun. Carmel, did you want to start with one of them? Sure, I'll start. So single parenting is fill in the blank. Oh, I love these surprise questions. Single parenting is a blessing. The mm, blessing. I love that. I love that. I, I feel that too. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the favorite activity that you get to do just for you? Ooh, reading. I know that people reading when I, I love to read. Uh, I'm not, a, you know, I dog ear, I circle, I underline, I absorb <laughs> myself. I absorb myself in the book and everything else leaves mm-hmm. mm-hmm. alone time. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the what is the most beneficial habit you have going on right now? Wow. Getting up early, training my body to get up way earlier than my body may want to get up. And I do a solid hour of external meditation. I choose topic and I really listen to a lot of top performance speakers. Could be a sermon 
could be, you know, when people peak top performance, they think Tony Robbins and those kind of people. It could mm-hmm. be of like mind like that. But I keep my game, I keep my head in a in a Navy SEALs kind of way. So that no matter what comes up, I I feel like I can handle it. Yeah. So I keep my brain in a top performance way of thinking. And I do that privately, quietly. I have an intimate relationship with YouTube. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's such an amazing source. Another one of those things that we haven't had for that many years. And it's amazing mm-hmm. to think of that. Here's one more. Tell me the top quality that you look for in a friend when you're talking about new friends. Oh, wow. Wow. That's really interesting. So the word that comes to me is solidity. Someone who's really good with them, even if they're not in a good place, they're good with them, even though they're not in a good place. Just someone who has been able to, to a certain degree, get comfortable with themselves and mm-hmm. understands reciprocation. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Because if they're secure in themselves, you can really bring almost anything to that person and you don't mm-hmm. really have to worry about, you know, the the conversation going sideways because <laughs> the universal test me with something. Thank you. But, um, <laughs> but it's just someone who's, uh, willing to be vulnerable. And if you're coming from a friendship standpoint, yeah, I'd love you know, some common ground, mm-hmm. common ground, mm-hmm. something to share. I love mm-hmm. that. Well, yeah. I think that's fantastic. I really feel like this, this discussion took shape beautifully. I feel like we have some really great solid takeaways for people and we hinted at some of your programming and we can share the links and we can talk about them a bit in the show notes. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you ladies. It's such an honor to be on and congratulations on your show. Thank you, you so much. Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Kosh, who wrote our intro slash outro music. Laura is a singer-songwriter for the band The Quirks, and you can find them online at thequirks, K-W-E-R-K-S dot com. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.